Welcome back, everybody, to the 511 Show. I am your host, Becky, recording from my little home studio in Alberta, Canada. I've just got to say, guys, like, I'm so blown away when I log into my podcast platform and see that my show is actually getting listens. Like, I'm not super technological by any means, so being able to record and edit and upload a show on my own is a wild concept for me. Really, I'm from the Microsoft Paint generation, and that's where I did all of my creative work. And no joke, I used to make report cards and fake birth certificates there. And don't ask why I needed those things, because probably my mom and dad might listen to this. But, you know, looking back, I might have been not a great kid or like a little bit of a hacker, a little bit of a con artist. But, you know, fast forward 15 or 20 years and I have no idea how to do anything online. I am moments away from having my 12-year-old daughter teach me how to make videos on TikTok. And that is so embarrassing to say, one, because it's TikTok, two, because I need a 12-year-old's help. But about three years ago, my two daughters had secret TikTok accounts. Granted, this is a terrible parenting moment. I will admit that. But I didn't know because I didn't check. But they both had TikTok accounts and... You know, even though their content totally sucked because, let's face it, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old should have zero content. They should not be on the internet. Um, You know, the way that they edited their videos and made videos was mind-blowing. I was actually wildly impressed. So I'm still mad about it. But kudos to them for how good they were as small children. And also kudos to you guys who know how to make videos and to gain followers and get subscribers through your content. Because honestly, it is so tough. I don't know how y'all do it. It is a full-time job. Anyways, this is part two of this royal episode where we are going to look at the lives of a few infamous members of the royal family. Obviously, episode one, we talked about Princess Diana and Prince Andrew. We talked about the conspiracies that surrounded them. This episode, we are going to look at the queen's life. Now, if you're wanting to hear rainbows and kittens about her life, then likely there are hundreds of other shows that you could tune into. But if you want to hear a conspiracy-minded view, then stay tuned for my show. Unfortunately, Steve could not be here with me today, um, but that's okay. I'm going to try it myself. I can't promise it's going to be good, but I can promise that I'm going to try my very best. So stay tuned. I can't wait for you to hear part two of the royal episode. Who was the queen and why do people go crazy for her? Queen Elizabeth was born in 1926 and died just a week ago, September 8th, at the age of 96. She served as the queen from 1952 to 2022, and when she died, her reign had lasted for 70 years. This is actually the longest-running monarchy in British history. Whether you like the queen or you don't like the queen, this is still quite the feat. In 1947, she was married to Philip Mountbatten, who, um, fun fact, was her distant cousin on both sides. Philip was the son of Prince Andrew of Greece. Um, You'd think that would make him rich, but in fact, Queen Elizabeth's father was hesitant about letting her marry him because he was not from wealth at all, even though he was tied to both Greek and Danish royalty. 
Prince Philip died in April of 2021 at the ripe old age of 99. Together, they had four children. Prince Charles, who, of course, is now the king. He's the father of Prince William and Prince Harry and the ex-husband of the late Princess Diana. Of course, we know Prince Andrew. We talked about him last week. Also because of his ties to Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, and their depraved world of pedophilia and human trafficking. So everyone knows Prince Andrew, I think. Um, I didn't know this until today, actually. Princess Anne and Prince Edward were also children of the Queen. Um, Admittedly, I know nothing about them. And for the purpose of this episode, I didn't need to research them. Um, I'm sure they're lovely people, though, but I didn't look into them. So again, I ask, why is the queen so popular? Why is the royal family so popular? The public wants someone to fawn over. There's this vicarious living thing that we all do. We're all guilty of it. We know that we'll never be royalty. We'll never be multimillionaires. We'll never have yachts or private jets. So I guess we just like look up to the people who have these things. As we've seen in our society the public will latch on to these people and obsess over them. We can't get enough of their private lives. We want to see all the photos, hear all the juicy gossip. We want them to fail, but also succeed. We love them. We hate them. We're jealous of their success. But in reality, we are the reason that they are continuing to be successful. People forget that if they just stop obsessing over these celebrities, if we stop buying their merchandise or buying the information about them, Eventually, they'll disappear into obscurity. Look at Jersey Shore, for example. For years, I was saying, why are people watching this crap? It's mindless garbage. If we stop watching as a group, they would go away. And actually, my husband is one of those people who continue to watch it and love it and keep these people relevant. So we do not agree on this. Andrew, if you're listening... I'm still upset about this. But my wishes and prayers were finally answered and the show was cancelled and the whole world went back to being normal. The end. No, that is not the end. Things just got worse from there. It took reality TV to a whole new low. But I was so thankful that it was cancelled. I'm still so thankful that it was cancelled. So I said last episode, the Kardashians are another one of those families. They seem to be the royal family of the Americas. And it's only because people keep buying into it. The more controversial and mysterious they are, the more hooked the public is. I said this on the carnivore episode, that marketing is a funny and brilliant thing. It is an art. You know, I have zero intention of giving the Kardashians more credit than they deserve, but I will say that there is a sense of secrecy and excitement that surround not only them, but also the royals. I think the best way to describe what's going on with us as a society is hive mind or groupthink. Sheeple is another word you've probably heard to describe it. Like we get so fixated on an idea or a concept and consume ourselves with it and follow it blindly. It is the collective mental activity of the members, basically the bees, that need to serve their queen. 
It can also be looked at as a parasocial behavior, you know, a one-sided relationship where someone becomes attached without ever interacting in a meaningful way. Broaden this concept to the first world and the people in it, and this is why families like the royals are so popular. But if you're like me, you're probably wondering, what do the royals even do? What does the queen do? Once upon a time, the British monarch held power. Prior to World War II, the monarchy was directly linked to the British government in decision-making, but actually post-World War II, the position became more of a figurehead role. Instead of focusing on politics, Queen Elizabeth became more involved in charities and giving back. One of her roles as queen, though, was when it came to the election process in England. As a government is leaving office, they have to send a resignation to the queen. She must accept it before anything else can happen. Once she accepts, the new election will take place. The queen then invites the new leader of the winning party to form a government in her name. She starts the next parliamentary year by reading a speech drafted by their government, which basically states new policies and goals for the prime minister and his party. Fun fact, though, there hasn't been any monarch who's objected to a leader since 1834. Hmm. If there was no clear winner in the House of Commons, she would get involved and try to convince both sides to create a joint government. But we did see this in 2010. This very situation occurred and she actually bowed out of having any input and let them figure it out for themselves. So again, I ask, what does she do? And I know this is incredibly boring and dry, but I am getting to the juicy stuff. And side note, I am aware that I am talking about the queen in present tense, not past tense. If that bothers you, I apologize, but I'm going to continue on my way. So another thing the monarchy does is called the royal assent. Um, I took this direct quote from the Canadian government's website It says, royal assent is granted by a representative of the crown to approve a bill passed by the House of Commons and the Senate, making it into an act of parliament. So I will point out, it says, by a representative of the crown. Not the crown herself, but a representative. Basically, the queen could dismiss this bill if she so chooses, but historically she has always approved them. They continue to keep this tradition alive to honor the royal family and grant them just the slightest bit of power. This also keeps the queen in the loop if there are any bill changes or amendments. Finally, something she does is maintain international relations. This includes welcoming new world leaders, visiting countries, meeting with diplomats and global ambassadors. Basically, she's keeping the relationship strong between the UK and other nations. If you remember back to part one of the Royals episode, Prince Andrew was actually given a similar job as trade envoy to travel to countries promoting British business. So even though the Queen is a figurehead for the United Kingdom and other countries around the world, her power is limited, if not non-existent. The House of Commons now holds majority of the decision-making power in England. But how will that change when Charles is in charge? And I mean Prince Charles, not Scott Baio. That's a little joke for my people who are 40 years old and older. Um, Anyone who's younger than that probably won't get that one. Um, As you may know, Prince Charles is a big supporter of the World Economic Forum, Which is no surprise because many major world powers are connected. 
I think I'll actually do a show on the World Economic Forum just so you have an idea what I am talking about when I refer to them. Um, I know we've talked about them in the carnivore episode and now in this episode. So they are something that we should discuss in detail. Just a quick overview about them. You've heard the term New World Order, I'm sure. This is one of the major voices behind that movement. No one owning anything, bugs for food, one world government, agenda 2030, etc., etc. These are buzzwords that you may recognize. Anyways, my thoughts are this. Where Queen Elizabeth was more passive in her political involvement, will her son, the new king, take more of an active stance? At a 2020 World Economic Forum conference, Charles spoke passionately on climate change and environmentalism, stating, Nature is in fact the lifeblood of our financial markets, and as such, we must rapidly realign our own economy to mimic nature's economy and work in harmony with it. He also went on to say that global warming, climate change, and the devastating loss of biodiversity are the greatest threats humanity have ever faced. Really though, Charles, the greatest threat ever? Like, I honestly get so mad when these major world players act like climate change is the most pressing issue of our time. No one ever talks about human trafficking, satanic ritual abuse, child sacrifice, pedophilia among these elites. I talk about it, but none of these power players ever talk about it. These are issues that should actually concern these powerful people, but we rarely hear a peep about it. You can read the full story and watch the video of Charles's speech on the World Economic Forum's website. You'll see that there's a lot of things that sound really great, but when you look deeper into it, you realize it's just sort of a guise for something a little more maniacal. So speaking of human trafficking, abuse, and pedophilia, let's talk about Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip's trip to Kamloops, British Columbia. Strange transition into the topic, yes, but you will soon see what I'm talking about. If you were to search for Queen Elizabeth and Kamloops on the internet, chances are you're not going to find the news stories that I'm talking about or that you're hoping for, at least not on conventional Google. We all know that Google and other search engines are completely unreliable, censored, scrubbed of information that could lead to negative attention of the elites. And in fact, when I was actually doing research on this topic, I checked out three search engines. DuckDuckGo did come up fruitful, but I did have to look beyond page one. Brave had a little bit less information, but not bad. Google, on the other hand, uh, was completely barren, minus the PolitiFact, Reuters, and Snopes pieces about how nothing went on. And I say that in air quotes, nothing happened. And yet there are parents who never saw their children again after that fateful visit in Kamloops. In 1964, the Queen and the Prince visited a Catholic-run residential school in Kamloops. One man named William was 12 at the time, and he was a survivor and a witness to whatever happened to 10 children. They went on a picnic with the couple. They were never heard from again. He was actually one of three men who had been witnesses and had made several public declarations of what he saw. I'll read an account from him on a website called lastrealindians.com. This was written in about, I want to say 2013. 
I am an interior Salish spirit dancer and I am 58 years old. I live in Vancouver, Canada. I'm a survivor of the Kamloops and Mission Indian residential schools, both run by the Roman Catholic Church. I suffered terrible tortures there and at the hands especially of Brother Murphy, who killed at least two children. I witnessed him throw a child off a three-story balcony to her death. He put me on a rack and broke some of my bones in the Kamloops school basement after I tried running away. I also saw him and another priest burying a child in the school orchard one night. In October 1964, when I was 12 years old, I was an inmate at the Kamloops school and we were visited by the Queen of England and Prince Philip. I remember it was strange because they came by themselves, no big fanfare or nothing, but I recognized them and the school principal told us that it was the Queen and we all got given new clothes and good food for the first time in months the day before she arrived. The day the Queen got to the school, I was part of the group of kids that went on a picnic with her and her husband and some of the priests down to a meadow near Dead Man's Creek. I remember it was weird because we all had to bend down and kiss her foot, a white laced boot. After a while, I saw the queen leave the picnic with 10 children from the school and those kids never returned. We never heard anything more about them and never met them again even when we were older. They were all from around there, but they all vanished. The group that disappeared was seven boys and three girls in the ages of 6 to 14 years old. They were all from the smart group in class. Two of the boys were brothers, and they were Métis from Quinell. Their last name was Arnous or Arnold. I don't remember the others, just the occasional first name like Cecilia, and there was an Edward. What happened was also witnessed by my friend George Adolf, who was 11 years old at the time and a student there too, but he's dead now. Interestingly, William died of no apparent cause shortly before he was set to be a witness at the International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State. And funnily enough, the Vancouver coroner's office would not release his autopsy report. Seems a little suspicious. His wife stated that he was in good health and had just been assigned a new doctor the week of his death. More coincidences. But you're probably asking, why would the queen need to kidnap 10 children and what did she do with them? Some believe that the rich and famous are Satan worshippers and are required to sacrifice children to Moloch. This is a heavy topic and I do apologize in advance if this is your first time hearing claims like this. Moloch is a pagan deity or demon, and he's been worshipped since Egyptian times, if not earlier. It sometimes is depicted as a bull or less often as an owl. And it's actually seen in various places through history. Uh, for example, Bohemian Grove and the temple on Epstein Island. These are more recent historical examples, but I would definitely recommend searching those two topics um, and just beware of what you are going to find. So the Bible actually forbids Moloch worship. Leviticus 18.21 says, do not hand over any of your children to be used in the worship of the god Moloch because that would bring disgrace on the name of God the Lord. So I'm of the belief that if it is in the Bible, God meant it. There's also a topic of adrenochrome. And again, I'm so sorry at the heaviness all at once. Adrenochrome is basically the fountain of youth, 
and it's sought after by the powerful. It's a chemical compound that is produced by the oxidation of adrenaline, specifically epinephrine. The elites are said to extract the adrenochrome uh, from the body of tortured children uh, in a ritual as a way to attain eternal life. Adrenochrome is produced when the body is terrified or extremely frightened. And, you know, the word comes from adrenaline, adrenochrome, adrenaline. You see the connection. I will say that if you are going to research adrenochrome, proceed with caution. You can never unsee things. You can never unlearn things. It was not this delicate when I brought it up to my brother for the first time. And I'm not going to lie, he's been haunted ever since. So, Josh, I am sorry. But you should have known not to go on Google. Anyways, another controversial topic amongst the conspiracy crowds is something that Steve brought up last episode. That was the reptilians, the lizard people. There are actually theories that the queen herself is in fact a reptilian. Pause for dramatic effect. I'm a Christian and my views are biblically based, so I will not say that reptilians are a real entity. Um, And quite frankly, I just don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Reptilians are said to be a race of alien lizard people who oversee the Cabal, also known as the Illuminati. You probably know that name more than the Cabal. They've supposedly traveled across the universe for thousands of years looking to enslave humanity and planets. They do this by enlisting the wealthy elites as their puppets, with them being the puppet masters. They're also said to inhabit the bodies of the elites. There are actually many videos online of celebrities getting interviewed and they have this weird blink. It's like a vertical eyelid blink. And if you just type in celebrity lizard eyes or something like that, you will find it. It's weird. I mean, but you can find anything you want on the internet, right? Anything to support whatever claim you make or any position that you hold. We also live in a time of um, video editing and Photoshop. So who knows what's real, right? You got to use your discernment on that one. Like, guys, I know that the reptilian topic, it sounds ridiculous. And realistically, it probably is trash. Um, But since Steve brought it up last week, I thought I would at least make a note of it for anybody who's curious what we were talking about to just tune into episode one and hear the queen is a lizard like you know there has to be some basis for that i wish steve was actually here to defend it a little further but he was busy unfortunately so i'm trying to do my best i know i'm not because i don't believe in it but i'm trying guys you know anyone who knows me knows that i do not believe in aliens Um, like in the usual context of intergalactic entities. But when I shifted that mindset to interdimensional beings, it actually made more sense for me. As a Christian person, I believe in heaven and hell, angels and demons. The Bible actually says in 2 Peter 2 verse 4 that God did not spare the angels who sinned, but threw them into hell where they kept chained in darkness waiting for the day of judgment. So if you believe that the Bible is truth, then you must also believe in demons. I've seen demonic possession and the casting out of demons or exorcism on multiple occasions. 
it's used so much in storylines of horror movies that people don't even think it's real. Like, people just brush it off as fake. Even friends of mine are like, there's no way that this is an actual thing. But trust me, guys, this is a thing that actually occurs. I have seen it many times. Demonic beings can and do inhabit the bodies of people. I I don't necessarily know if it's like, I don't know, what's that movie? The Exorcism of Emily Rose or even The Exorcist. Like, I don't know if it's quite like that because I've never watched that. I refuse to put that sort of garbage into my mind and into my spirit but you know like I said I've seen it in real life in actual church settings with actual pastors um I mean it's scary stuff but it is is real for sure I mean it is like very possible that some of these demonic entities could have lizard-like features And have possessed the elites who have aligned themselves with darkness in order to achieve wealth, power, and fame. I really don't know. I wish I had the answers. But to be honest, I don't want to find out. (laughs) I don't want any interactions with lizard demons whatsoever. So yeah, there are tons and tons of conspiracies when you search for the royal family online. Everything from Prince Charles being a vampire, Meghan Markle being a robot, uh, to Harry being the love child of an affair Diana had. You know what though, if you actually look into that one, I could see that one being true. He doesn't look a lot like Charles, but he does look a lot like this guy that they say is his real father. It's kind of like the Justin Trudeau isn't really Pierre Elliott Trudeau's son, but he's the son of Fidel Castro. But that's, you know, a topic for another day. I promise we will have a Trudeau episode and it will be so good. But yeah, back to these conspiracies about the royals. There's even one that says the queen was a cannibal. I mean, realistically, if the child sacrifice and the adrenochrome rumors are true, then really cannibalism is just par for the course. With the death of her behind us, we may actually never know the answers to these conspiracy theories. And unfortunately, her secrets died with her. Society would be completely rocked if they knew the truth. I just pray that one day we get the answers about what happened to those missing children in Kamloops. And not just those 10, but any of the children who've gone missing or been hurt under her reign as queen. Believe the things I say or don't, but I'm just asking you to do your own research. Fact check the things I've said and look beyond page one of Google. You know, if something clicks for you, then research it further and look at opposing views. We fortunately and unfortunately live in a time of incredibly accessible information. We have all the knowledge at our fingertips, yet I believe that we know less than ever. If you're wrestling with answers and are seeking the truth, don't rely on the internet and don't rely on books because at the end of the day, people are flawed. People have imperfections and make mistakes. I would actually suggest opening up a Bible and searching for answers that you won't find on Google, even if you aren't a Bible reader, even if you aren't a Christian. Ephesians 6.12 states, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So whether you think I'm onto something with these conspiracies about the queen, or you think I've gone mad, 
the battle of good and evil still exists and will continue to exist until the end of time. Thank you guys so much for listening. I would love to hear your thoughts on both episodes. And of course, subscribe to my show on Apple, Google, Spotify, and I think a few more. But as you all know, I'm not technologically advanced to know for sure where I posted them. Also, don't forget to give the show five stars. I hear all my favorite podcasts say this. Again, I don't know how to do it, but I assume if you're a podcast listener, you probably know how to do it. So please go do that for me. I would appreciate that. I love you all. Good night. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.